go. That's what I want. I actually bought this album in college. What I'm going to play you right now. And I found it, it. This is when it used to have like CD stores. And there used to be one by my college called the CD Listening Bar. And you could actually take CD. like a big, almost like a bar, like a bar. Like, you know, like the way you walk to a, to a bar, a counter at a bar. And you could just give them the CD and they would put it in a CD player. And then you could listen to it and see if you wanted to buy it. And I thought this one was interesting. And what it was, it's a very interesting story here, is that in in the the copyright laws were very strict in the early part of the 20th century. Okay? And uh they were very, very strict in the early part of the 20th century, so that people could not change any of the lyrics if they sang them. Any, even if it was a, if it was a woman singing about a man, she and a man sang it, he still had to sing as if he was singing about a man. But, you know, in those days, they didn't think anything of it because they just realized the person was just singing about... Uh, they, he was just singing the song. They didn't, they didn't see it as gay. But now when you listen to it with those eyes, it's sort of weird, you know? So what we're going to do right now is... This is by Bud Freeman. This is literally from the 1920s, maybe even earlier. This is a recording of him actually singing from... Well, it has to be from the 20s because it's when it came out. It's from Showboat, okay? Um, and uh, it's from Showboat. It's a song. No, it's not from Showboat. It's from, it's from Porgy and Bess, okay? It's Can't Help Loving That Man, but it's a guy singing it in the 20s. Like I said, in the 20s, they didn't think about it as gay, but now it sounds weird. And there's a long... Uh, there's a long instrumental break at the end. I'll fade out of that. So we're only going to hear the main part of the song, and then we'll come out. Fish gotta swim, birds gotta fly. I gotta love one man till I die. So I can't help loving that man of mine. Now tell me he's lazy, tell me he's slow. Tell me I'm crazy, maybe I know. But I can't help loving that man of mine That day he goes away is a rainy day But when he comes back that day is fine And the sun will shine and maybe I can stay out late as can be Home without him ain't nothing to me, but I can't help loving that man of mine. I'm acting. Change it around. You want it crazy, well, you got it now. Let me tell you what, my father fucked Marlena Dietrich. Hey, that's okay. Put some butter on it. Tootsie Lou! 
Okay, so that was um, uh, Bud Freeman there with uh, Can't Help Loving That Man from Porgy and Bess. And, um, and he's singing that. We, we, we'll probably revisit this album from time to time, but I'm going to do a big wide swath of the 20th century. Then what you have is you have, uh, uh, you know, then you get into the big band era. And you get, like, Judy Garland, right? Now, obviously, big, gigantic, ginormous gay icon, okay? Now, I'm actually not going to focus on her music from there, but, you know, she did a big uh, retrospective of her career, and she did a big comeback show. She So, the thing with Judy Garland, and I think this is why gay people uh, are very were very attracted to Judy Garland and still are very attracted to Judy Garland, is... Gay men seem to be very attracted to women with tragic lives who soldier on, soldier forth, you know, sally forth, and uh, they, they through uh, all sorts of adversity, you know. And so Judy Garland had a really, really sad life. So she'd have these huge highs and these big lows, you know, and she's, you know, she's drugged up by the studio and they call her fat and they throw her out and then she has to come back. And so, and one of these comebacks, is she did a big show at Carnegie Hall, okay? And uh, we're going to play a couple of songs from this, right? We're going to play a couple of songs from uh, the Carnegie Hall live show. I I recommend anyone, in terms of just an album that's important to gay history, you have to listen to Judy at Carnegie Hall. It's in like literally one of the most important albums in gay history, and it's an incredible album. You will love it. I don't care what kind of music you like, you will love it. The, it she tells stories, and she's cracked out, and she's weird, and, and she tells she sings these great songs. There's all this energy behind it. And the one we're going to play right now is actually close to the end. It's kind of an up-tempo one. And uh, again, this is one where I think there's a lot of like either build-up before, or there's a lot of shit going on after, so I'll cut down a lot of it. But uh, right now, this is her singing the old L. Jolson tune, Swanee. Oh, wait. That's it again. Here we go. Swanee. I love you, how I love you, my dear old Swanee. I'd give the world to be among the folks in D.I.X. I even know my mammy's waiting for me, praying for me down by the Swanee. The folks up north will see me no more when I get to that Swanee shore. Swanee, Swanee, I am coming back to Swanee, Mammy, Mammy, I love the old folks at home, I love you, One rich child will wonder no more when I get to that Swanee.
Okay, so that's Judy Garland singing Swanee. Then she does another great number right after that one. And this is called After You've Gone. I love this song. When I actually uh, broke up, you know, recently with somebody, um, this was a song that, like, really got me through. And then we're going we're gonna to play a little, we're playing a three in a row here of Judy Garland from this from this album. Here we go. So this is After You've Gone. Dude, it's because, you know, like, most breakup songs, they're like, Oh, and she has those on here, by the way. She has the torch songs on here. But this is one that's like, dude, like, bitch, work. Right? Here we go. After you've gone and left me crying, after you've gone, there's no denying you feel blue, you feel sad. You'll miss the bestest pal you ever had There'll come a time Now don't forget it There'll come a time When you'll regret it Oh, baby, think what you're doing My love for you is gonna drive me to ruin After you've gone After you've gone Oh, well So that's uh, Judy Garland there, okay, with After You've Gone. All right, another incredible song. Now we're going to, now guys, calm down. We're going to we're gonna finish the Judy Garland story because we're doing it. This is just a brief herstory until I do my real homework. But then Judy Garland, okay, so what, Judy Garland's most famous song is Over the Rainbow. And you know, what sort of happens in popular culture is when you're a legend, like Judy Garland, like any of the legends that we know, is that once you pass away, you're, you get frozen in your youth. You know, you become eternally youthful once you die. And so everyone, when they focus on Over the Rainbow, they focus on the version that she sang when she was like 16 years old in Wizard of Oz. You know, in that song, she's in the studio system, she's at the height of her career, and her life is full of promise, and she's in this 
huge movie. She's she's riding the wave of a huge boom of popularity and you know this is a song it's a wish song it's the classic musical theater wish song okay it's over the rainbow but what happens is because you know we're all born after she's dead i can't speak for everybody but the, what i can say is all of us were born including me were all born after she died okay so she lives an entire life and what we're going to hear now, because the Carnegie Hall concert happened in the mid, in the early-ish, mid-ish 60, like things like 63 or 64. And now she's lived this life ever since, so between, it's been like 30 years since she sang, you know, Over the Rainbow. And she has, a lot has happened to her. She's, I got, she's been through divorces. Men have fucked her over. The studio system have fucked... It's all men, by the way. Men are constantly fucking over Judy Garland. They're telling her she's fat. They're telling her she's not good enough. She goes... She becomes poor. Then she's rich. Then she's poor. Her career has highs and lows. She's on the drugs, on the pills. And she's an alcoholic. And she's just a fucking just mess. She's, a, she's literally the definition of a hot mess. And this Carnegie Hall show is her comeback... This is her, she was low, I mean, this is where she, they had, the, she was dragging around this Liza Minnelli and Lorna left all over the country just to perform just so they can live. And now she's worked her career back up where she's performing at Carnegie Hall at the time and still is the ultimate venue that you could perform at. And now she's singing Over the Rainbow at this sold out show at her comeback concert. But listen to the difference in this one. This one, the tone is different. It's it's now sad. And what you have to remember, now that we're looking back at this years and years later, she wasn't a happy woman. You know, she's doing this because she had to. She's not a happy woman. And when you sing this, listen for the sadness. We all know the classic one from the movie, but now listen to the sadness in her voice. And then remember, in just a few years... She'll be dead. So Judy Garland, Over the Rainbow, live at Carnegie Hall. Somewhere over the rainbow, way over. you dare to dream really do come true someday I'll wish upon a star and wake up where the clouds are far behind me Troubles melt like lemon drops away up above the 
Wow, it, it still um, it still gets me like choked up when I hear that song because you know it's like because it's so funny. I'm like, you know, like I, I don't choke about anything. I always choke about that song. And I get choked because it's no longer a song of hope when she was young, but like a song of despair. And it, it's funny how it just changes. I mean, nothing's changed in that song, but um, I think we've all been there. But now we're going to go happy because then what happens is Judy Garland then passes the torch onto another <laughs> person that the gays just fucking love. Uh, we're going to pick up the, uh, the, the, the mood here. Here we go. Then from Judy Garland, the gays just go to, I think you'll be, you know exactly who it's going to, Barbara Streisand with Don't Rain on My Parade. To live just sit and putter Life's candy and the sun's a ball of butter Don't bring around a cloud to rain on my parade Don't tell me not to fly I simply got to If someone takes a spill it's me and not you Who told you you're allowed to rain on my parade I didn't fake it, hat, sir. I guess I didn't make it, but whether I'm the rose of sheer perfection or freckle on the nose of life's complexion, the 
there for me, love, cause I'm a comer. I simply gotta march, my heart's a drummer. Don't bring around a cloud of rain on my parade. I'm gonna live and live now. Get what I want, I know how. One roll for the whole shebang. Mr. Onstein, here I am. I'll march my band out. I'll beat my strong. And if I'm fanned up, look, turn at that, sir. At least I didn't fake it, hat, sir. Guess I didn't make it get ready for me, love, cause I'm a comer. I simply gotta march my heart to drum and nobody, no, nobody is coming. Rain and So one of the things that often happens when we do these gay history things, we focus on white people. We focus on the music that white people love. And uh, then especially even white gays. White gays tend to get the whole story. So why don't we go now shift over? Because at the same time that Barbara is happening for all the white gays, the Ms. Crackers in the world, because Barbara and Ms. Cracker are basically the same person. Uh, the black gays, who are they liking? Now, this is obviously very basic. We're doing a wide swath, and they actually have a much more nuanced taste. But this is one where actually the white gays and the black gays all agreed. It's And look, the lead singer goes on to become a major gay icon. But here we go. The Supremes. With Diana Ross. Baby love, my baby love, been missing you. 
So that's Diana Ross and the Supremes with Baby Love. Now at that, now this is in the mid sixties, same time as Judy Garland, same time as Barbara Streisand. Now we get to the late sixties, and there is a young artist, very young, and she's making her way. And she, I'm going to say this name. It's so funny because you might even the young gays, maybe even the gays, kind of maybe close to my age might know that this woman is a gay icon and that she's a singer and they know all that, but they don't know. I mean, a big part of her life, the way she got her start was she would sing in bathhouses and we're going to get, there's even a little twist to that story. We're going to get to that in a second, but she would sing. She got her start. She would go every night, late at night as guys are fucking in the bathhouse. She's performing for the gays in the bathhouse. She got her start there just fucking just grinding it out in the bathhouses, playing for five people. Again, there's a weird... There's a weird historic note with that. But for right now, let's go to the Divine Miss M, Bette Midler. And here's one of the songs, which is a gay... She's singing an iconic gay song from 30 years prior to this. But here it is. Divine Miss M from her bathhouse days. With the Boogie Woogie Boogie Boy. you the twist her piano player in the bathhouse days goes on to be what well, came out a couple years ago but he goes on to be a pop star himself barry manilow was her piano player in the bathhouses and he goes on to make this iconic gay song it's called the copacabana and it's on rupaul radio her name was lola she was a showgirl with yellow feathers in her hair and 
Punches flew and chairs were smashed in two. There was blood and a single gunshot, but just who shot who at the Copa? Copa Cabana, the hottest spot north of Havana. They're so refined and drinks herself half blind. She lost her youth and she lost her Tony. Now she's lost her mind at the Cobra, Cobra Cabana. Okay, so now we're, we're trying to jump in around a little bit to tell a story here, but like, so, you know, Copacabana is well into the 70s, as is, you know, the Divine Miss M album is from the early 70s. Like I said, Barry Manilow was uh, Bette Midler's piano player. In fact, they caused a, when he left to start his own career, she didn't forgive him for a very, very long time. But um, what I'm going to tell you now is what happens is when you have the 60s and the sexual revolution, uh, a couple of things happen that are very important. Not only do you have the, the counterculture of the 60s, but also the Hollywood got rid of what was called the Hayes Code. The Hayes Code was a government uh, censorship thing where that imposed all these rules uh, on film and that film had to go through the Hayes office to get a stamp of approval that it, you know they were the official censors of um of 
the um, f- uh, the United States government on part of censoring films. And you had, there were all these rules. And it's very interesting, but we're not, that's not what the point of this is. But what happens is when the Hayes Code goes away in the late, very, very late 60s, I think it's like even like 68 or 69 or something like that, then the, the studios are more free to explore topics, which this is, and this, this, this applies to straight uh, world too, is that's why you see an explosion and a flowering and a renaissance of culture in the 1970s, where music changed and film changed and everything changed because there was now this, now as a, as a response to the 60s, this freedom, this almost like anything goes kind of thing with the freedom. The Vietnam War has, you know, ends in the, in the sort of mid 70s and that's, you know, disco. There's a whole thing, right? But the point is that is that now it's sort of okay to be gay. And we're going to revisit this in the 70s. But you see, like, gay culture, and, and which often happens. You know, it happened with show tunes, and it happened with, and as we've seen along the way, uh, with Motown and whatnot, where gay culture and straight culture intersect. And in this case, you know, disco was, you know, the ultimate, you know, intersection of gay and straight culture. Because disco essentially is gay music. And this is when it also took, you know... Uh, you know the 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 zeitgeist by storm so what i'm telling you right now so we're gonna play i mean i don't think you get gayer than this what we're gonna play right now uh we played it on the show before but what we're gonna play right now is two gigantic gay icons singing a disco song what we're playing right now so this is a giant i mean and even the subject matter everything gay iconic gay song here disco song uh, whoop, hold on for a second. Joe needs to learn how to operate his equipment. So what we're going to have right here is two gay icons uh, singing a disco song. It's Donna Summer, Barbara Streisand, No More Tears.
Now, here's what's ironic. Is probably the most famous gay anthem, which happens to be a disco song. But the most famous gay anthem is probably the last breath, the the dying breath of disco. There, you know, towards the late seventies, going into the early eighties, you get this backlash against disco, which is actually very interesting. And uh, I would recommend going to listen. I'll find out the name of the podcast and tell you guys later. There's a podcast that talks about the end of disco and how the end of disco actually led to, to what we now know as like house music and whatnot. But that's a whole other thing. But uh, there's a, a backlash against disco. And so what's ironic is that the most famous gay anthem of all time came out like in 79 or 80 as disco is dying. It's, one, it's the last dying breath of disco. But how can we do a big, broad overview of uh, gay popular music without playing I Will Survive by Gloria Gaynor? But then I spent so many nights thinking how you did me wrong. And I grew strong. And I learned how to get along. And so you're back from out of space. I just walked in to find you here with that sad look upon your face. I should have changed that stupid lock. I should have made you leave your key.
All right, so that's Gloria Gaynor with I Will Survive. And you know what? Why don't we do this? Because we only go till 12. Why don't we just end it right? I mean, that is a perfect way to end this experimental edition of RuPaul Radio where we're, we're trying to educate the children. And what I did right now is just a very... I mean, we didn't even scratch the surface of gay. I mean, we just literally covered, uh, by this point, literally 60 years of gay history in like not even an hour like 45 minutes so like we could literally do a whole episode on deck we missed the entire 50s we missed the entire 40s but the th- i mean we did we just judy garland she was the 40s and that's not true so i mean this would actually this would actually be a whole podcast series of the history of gay uh, gay history as told through the music of its people and so uh, this is just a very, very broad, broad, you know, very broad, you know, stroke on 60 years. So, but we're going to end it right there. And as we do end every episode, let us thank who's in the chat room right now.